again at the place of your throne. Breathe on us this morning. We are hungry. We're ready to experience you and to hear what your spirit has to say to the church. Would you bless us in our sessions today? Smile on our teachers who will be with us. Give them the ability to open your word and to challenge us in ways in which we've never been challenged. We need you in a great and in a powerful, powerful way. We are present, and so we need you to breathe on us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I've got the privilege to give you a charge and a devotion. My devices are acting a little goofy, so let's go for it. 1 Samuel chapter 7, 1 Samuel chapter 7, one verse. And I want to give you a thought, a devotional thought today. A brotherhood to remember. A brotherhood to remember. The text says, Then the men of Kirjath Jerim, they came and they took the ark of the Lord and they brought it into the house of Abinadab. On the hill, and they consecrated Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. Brothers, my 32 years of pastoral work, I've noticed that one of the greatest needs in the life of the man of God is the need to be revived. I'm going to need y'all to talk back to me today, all right? Sometimes as we journey with Christ, every now and then as men of God, we tend to get carnal. We get lazy. We get comfortable. We get rebellious. We become hard to get along with. And sometimes just flat out disobedient. Y'all can talk to me. It's okay. And it's in seasons like this that we can become dull and over familiar with the things of God. And when we do this, revival is what's needed. And then when revival comes, Shepherd Hawes, we start to pray again. When revival comes, Brother Kay, we begin to repent of our behavior. When revival comes, we start to forgive those who have offended us. When revival comes, our worship changes. Am I right, brothers? When revival comes, God can use us to do great things in the earth on his behalf. And that's what this text is about today. It's about experiencing God after a season of rebellion. Let me walk you into the text and show you what's happening. Israel had been without the presence of God 
because they lost the ark of God in battle with the Philistines. And after the Philistines thought they could usurp Yahweh's authority, God spanked them real good in their own land. And then the ark came back to Israel. Well, when Israel's leaders, the priests and those in religious authority got the ark, they were over familiar with his presence. And the Bible says they did what they were not supposed to do. They touched the ark and looked inside of it. And God killed 50,070 men on that day. They were so mad at God, they wanted nothing to do with him, so they called next door to a city called Kirjath-Jerim. And they said to the brothers in Kirjath-Jerim, y'all come get the ark, because God is still mad at us. And that's where our text opens today. And there's three quick devotional thoughts for you to think about. Number one, I want to talk about if we're going to really build this brotherhood of Wheaton College, we're going to need three elements. Somebody say three elements. We're going to need to be a brotherhood that serves, a brotherhood that submits, and a brotherhood that sacrifices. Can I give them to you again? A brotherhood that serves, a brotherhood that submits, and a brotherhood that sacrifices. I just got one verse for you, so I'm going to walk through it. The text says in verse 1, then. That then is there for a reason. It's explaining what just happened, that little narrative I gave you. Then, after all that stuff happened, the men, you should circle that in your Bible, the men of Kirjath-Jerim, what they do, chap? They came and they took the ark of the Lord and they brought it to Abinadab's house. Now, beloved, that text is loaded. And it's loaded because... Here you have men who had no authority to handle the ark. According to the Levitical law, if you were not a priest or in the, the manner of the priesthood, you could not touch the ark of the Lord. But when the priests, yes, lost their spiritual consumption and zeal for the Lord, they wanted nothing to do with the things of God. So God raised up some men who were nobodies. They were from a little bitty town, Kirjath-Jerim, that was called the city of the woods. Can I, can I teach it like I feel it? Not only were there men in obscurity, but if you notice, no man in this group has a title. And they don't have a title, uh, Dr. Hep, because they don't need one. They are just men committed to the brotherhood. And they are men that are willing to draw near to God. In spite of the ones who should have been handling the word, they decide we're going to draw near to it. What a picture these brothers give us. You know what I like about this text? It says that they do it in corporate. It's what, it's what Dan Haas teaches about corporate spiritual formation. They decide this is not one man's responsibility to handle the things of God. It's all of our responsibility. And they go together and they take the ark. I like this too because it teaches us that these men 
were co-laborers together. Uh, it teaches us, chaplain eight, that they had more in common than they knew. They were what I call soul friends. And they were willing to bear the yoke of the burden together and take a chance on handling the holy things of God in community and together. Well, we've looked at brothers of service. Let me show you now brothers of submission. Same verse, second sentence. They brought the ark of the Lord to the house of Abinadab. And look, who was on the hill? Brother JT, when we come to this portion of the text, the other element of revival that emerges for the reader is this element of submission. Here, these brothers decide when we get the ark, what are we going to do with it? I don't know who it was in the crowd that day, but somebody said, I think it should go to Abinadab's house. And Abinadab does not fight back the petition to offer his house to the sacred things of God for the sake of the community. He submits to the brothers. And the brothers submit to Abinadab. What a beautiful picture. And when Abinadab submits to them, he brings the ark of God into his house. Now watch this. This is the same ark that just killed 50,070 priests. This is the same ark that just knocked out Dagon in the Philistine temple. This is the same ark of God that you don't dare touch it, come near it, or even look on it. In fact, when it comes through the camp, you keep about a mile behind it. But Abinadab, he's not a priest. He's not in a Levitical family or royal priesthood. He's just a normal guy who loves God, who's working in community with his brothers. But he says, if it's the will of the community that I have the ark of God in my home, then brothers, I'm willing to serve you as I serve Yahweh. Isn't that something, beloved? This is one of the elements of revival. See, um, uh, Brother Jediah, when our lives are totally abandoned to God, only then can you experience revival. God never gives you revival on your terms. No. This is an element of revival because God has access to every area of Abinadab's house. His heart his head and his home. What a community. The Bible says they brought the ark into Abinadab's house. Now watch this. And this blew me away that the ark the that wrote this, the house that was on the hill. In other words, Abinadab lived in Kirjath-Jerim, which was called the city of the woods, in a home that was on a hill. Uh, it was on a hill and it was high and it was lifted up. His name in the Hebrew means the noble one or the father who was noble. Okay, let me say it another way because I know we're at Wheaton. He was the noble father who lived on the hill 
that was high and lifted up. Y'all see that picture? Well, let me give you some more. It speaks to me that God, yes, likes to dwell in places where he is high and lifted up. He likes to dwell in the lives and hearts of men who are noble, set apart to serve others while he is high and lifted up. God, yeah, does not want to be brought down to the level of humanity. I'm old school, I know it, I know it, and I don't apologize for it. I just believe that God is God, and ain't nobody on this level. My question to you in our devotional thought today, are you an Abinadab that God could use? Are you that noble brother this morning in community that wants to be in the presence of God in spite of what everybody else is doing? Are you the one that will take him in your home when everybody else leaves him at the doorstep? Brother Benadab in his text teaches Wilson, yeah, that one of the elements of revival is always seen in your lifestyle. Well, we've looked at the brother's service. We've looked at the brother's submission. Let me land the plane now. Look at the brother's sacrifice. Notice this the Bible says, and they, part three of that verse, they consecrated Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. When you come to this last portion of the text in our devotional thought, the men of Kirjath Jerim, of the city of the woods, brought the ark to the most noble one who lived on the hill that was high and lifted up. They decided as a community, we're going to put it in Abinadab's house, but we're going to consecrate his son. Okay. I see I got to work right here. He's the son of the noble father. That's high and lifted up who lives on the hill. But daddy, we don't want you to spend time watching the ark. Let us set aside your only begotten son who lives on the hill in the house with the father that's high and lifted up. And here's what we need Eleazar, the savior, to do. Set aside himself consecrate himself that we might experience revival. Eleazar's job was going to be to give your life to watching the ark. Give your life to be the intercessor between us and God. Give up yourself that we might as a people live in peace with God. Eleazar, part of the brotherhood, but decides to become that living sacrifice that all of Israel might walk in peace with God. I'm through. This was a sermon. I'd be leaning all the way in it. But I want you to know this. I see three elements in this text. 
for how men that want to experience God, live in community with God, and experience peace and love once with another. Number one, they are men of service. Number two, they're men of submission. Number three, they're men of sacrifice. I'm coming down now. I'll sneak my fourth sermon point in there for you. The last one is they become men who surrender. See, when you read the next verse, it talks about God was so pleased with them that he dwells within 20-something years in this little bitty city on the hill. They surrendered their lives to the work of the Lord. I wonder what God wants to do at Wheaton College. I wonder why he brought you here out of all the men in the world at this time, at this season, and this juncture of your journey. Could it be that he's looking for some men that are willing to take the lead again? Uh-oh, is this on? I wonder if he's looking for some men that's unapologetic about being a man. I wonder if he's looking for some men that'll stick out your chest and say, I came with an S to serve, to submit, and to sacrifice. That's a real superman. I said, that's a real superman. And then don't forget the last S, to surrender. I'm through, but y'all know who Eleazar was, a picture of him. He's a type of Christ. Didn't Jesus come to serve? I'm looking for an amen right there. Didn't he come to submit? Didn't he come to sacrifice? Didn't he come to surrender at all? I got evidence. I got some Bible for my theology. One Friday night on a hill called Calvary, you find the four S's written across his chest. And the son of the living God, he died. Didn't he die? To teach you and I how to die was buried in a grave, took the sting out of death. And y'all know the rest, early Sunday morning, he got up with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. Let's give God some praise. Serve, submit, sacrifice, and surrender. High five your neighbor and ask him, did you get that? Did you get that?